Flying Casuals brought to you by Patreon supporters Brent, Andy Dugan, David Bush, Rob Patsky, Jory Webb, Kelly Breckner, Nate Edison, and Wes Anderson. May the force be with you. You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Flying Casual. This is our formal book club, Holly's Hyperspace Happy Hour. Holly, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I said that I wouldn't tell anybody this, but now I decided that I'll just be transparent and tell everyone. Ooh. I started and finished our book club book today. Yeah. yeah. So it's very fresh in my mind. Is that something to brag about when you're running a book club that you read the book the day of the club meeting? Depends on who you ask. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so what did what, Holly? I, I'm going to disclose. I'm going to give a disclaimer here as the, I'm not really the host, but I just do the introduction for the host. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, it's like a price is right kind of thing we got going on here. But, uh, I in fact did not read this novel though. I'm pretty sad that I didn't, um, because it sounds like it was a, a, a really great read. Yeah. You know, um, the book that we read this month was the revenge of the Sith novelization by Matthew Stover. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you guys what I thought first, and then we'll see what everyone else thought. Yeah. Michael, I will not ask you what you thought. I'll offer some insight, as always. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I'll mute myself <laughs> um, now. <laughs> um, I thought the book started out really slow. That's just me. I think for the first half of it, it was a lot of lightsaber battles, and it was action-packed in a way that didn't necessarily capture my attention. But as we got into the second half of the book, it really got into – you know, the seduction to the dark side that Anakin went through. And I just found all of that very fascinating. So yeah. I felt like it started out as a slow read, but then it really piqued my interest. Well, I do recall asking you after your first 50 pages, I said, how's it going? And you said, and I quote, effing terrible. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this really isn't off to a great start. Is book club being canceled? I really don't know how that goes. Uh, but uh, Holly, we do have a beautiful panel with we us do. tonight. We've got uh, Rob, Nettie, Jory, and Dugan here. Uh, at some point, Luke may may uh, just appear in the, uh, the book club. So we'll see uh, where he lands. I'm sure he'll land perfectly holly's just about to she's pressing buttons on the screen i really don't like when holly does that she may end the skype call that we have here with our with our um our our guest panelists but uh holly should we go around the table and and see what what the fellas thought yeah let's do that um so let's just get your guys's general thoughts on the book like you just heard mine um but we'll start with dugan i know You've been doing some traveling, but you brought your book with you. Maybe severely jet lagged right now. <laughs> I don't know if it works that way when you're coming to the East Coast. You can uh, clarify. No, well, and I looked like the bubble boy today. I had two masks <laughs> on. I had a fa- uh, the face shield on. I was really trying. Let's to, go. To be all- to, yeah, the plane was not bad. Airports aren't the best. Uh, <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, actually, Holly, I really liked reading this book as well. Um, I found like every time I was reading it, it was hard to stop and then realizing like I have to, to do other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, but what was really cool though is like the interlude reminded me like the very first page reminded me of like going back to see the movie. Nice. And honestly, and reminded me of what, of like what I remember going to see it midnight. I was like in high school or whatever. And like, you knew what was going to happen, but you didn't, like, I'm just thinking, like, I did not want that to happen. I don't want to <laughs> like, but like you, you and um, 
And like, and the same thing happened. Like at the beginning of it, it's like the story already happened. Nothing can change. And yeah. it's just like, like, yeah, the story already happened. Nothing could change. Uh, but then it was just, but you still, you already knew the end, but you just still wanted to keep reading. Um, so yeah, no, good pick, Holly. I enjoyed it. Good that's job. great storytelling. It, the fact that it, Dugan seems to be having, you know, replaying premonitions in his mind of what he knows is going to happen, but he can't stop it. That's great storytelling. It the is. fact that you keep coming back to it and you still have hopes and aspirations that things could very well be different. But alas, they, they are the same, like Dugan said. I think you sound a little bit like John Favreau there. Thank Star you. Star Wars is a story. Which of one? Hope. The Pod Save America host or the director and producer of Mandalorian? I'll I take both. both. Okay. Fantastic. Rob, I know you said that it's been a while since you read the book, but I yeah. was just wondering mm-hmm. if there's any insight or anything that you remember that you really yeah. wanted to dust off those cobwebs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, look, I I remember the book pretty much. I mean, we all remember the movie, and I've watched the movie multiple times. As in reading the book, I didn't read the book. You know, I'm an audio fan for the most part. That's true. And I think really what the difference. Okay, so I'll give my thoughts about the book. The book was good. The audio book was good because of the background music. Because sometimes Star Wars needs that extra thing. Yeah. So when you get through the entire book and you get to the point where the author says, I hate you, right? When you read that, you, you just read it. And those are your, you know, those are your mind thoughts. But when somebody actually says it, there's an acting element to yeah. the audio book sometimes. So for me, the beginning wasn't so much boring because there was all the fighting going on in the background. We could say that's just distortional noise that kind of keeps your mind busy while you're trying to focus in on that. Some people hate it. But for me, I thought that it did start a little slow for the reading. I had that background, so I didn't hate it as much as maybe y'all did. But near the end, man, when you get into those, there's so many points in this when the acting through the reader happens that makes the book i think just better in the audiobook especially when you've already watched the movie a few times and then you kind of add it together that's just my thought but overall it's it starts out really really slow and then heats up along the way with the dramatic ending yeah, I agree with that. It's funny that you bring up the I hate you moment because when I got to that part in the book, I obviously saw the movie before I read this book since I just read mm-hmm. it for the first time. Um, but all I – you know, I read the book physic- – like the physical copy of the book. So all I could hear was Anakin's voice yeah. in my head from that scene. But, Jory, you said that you listened to the audiobook too. Did you kind of have a similar experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, similar in a way uh, – like as far as those see it's funny because rob said you know as far as the i hate you part and i actually thought that was kind of different for me um maybe it's just my experience with it because i thought the audiobook version of the i hate you especially just that that particular part i thought it was kind of like downplayed compared to the movie mm-hmm. because you know when when i got to that part i was like man hayden christensen did that so much better yeah. um <clears throat> But I also think I had a little bit different of a, an experience um, with this than you guys did as well, because I thought that the book pretty much like had me 
the entire time. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like it was slow. Um, and you know, and I, it's, it's funny because we do this and you know, everybody has a different opinion and, and perspective on it, but, um, and maybe it's just because, you know, I'm listening to it at two times speed. So, you know, it just, everything's <laughs> fast, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, no, I actually thought that the early lightsaber battles, um, were just so much better and we can get into that later. Yeah. Um, but it, it pretty much, it had me, really at attention the entire time. Um, I think that it's really cool when you go back and especially we don't get this in star Wars a lot where we get, you know, uh, a book compared to the movie. Um, or at least, I mean, we do, but like, we don't, it's usually, it's obviously always the movie. And then we compare it to the book where like say Harry Potter or, you know, or these other, um, book series that we're always comparing the book to the movie. And we're like, Oh, the book is so much better. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that the novelization of this really for me was so much better because you got so many just deeper thoughts, you know, behind everything you had. Um, I mean, and once again, the lightsaber fights were just a million times better, you know, and, and especially if you can visualize, you know, that in your head as far as, uh, you know, how things are going on and stuff like that. Uh, I just I, I thought it was great. Um, this is my, one of my favorite movies. Um, I think this was like number two on my list. So having the novelization and and actually enhancing that experience for me, it was pretty, pretty epic. Yeah, I think that the novelizations of the Star Wars movies are really unique in where when we have the books first and then they make the movies, the directors and the producers of the movies kind of get their chance to play around with it and change things. They have that like creative Je ne sais pas. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't have said or is it, it better. Je ne sais quoi. Je, je ne sais quoi. quoi. Je ne sais pas, I don't know. Yeah, well that was also true. But yeah. Um but I feel like the novelizations really come in and fill in some of the gaps that we have. And I think that that's what this book did, especially like uniquely for me, when we get to having, you know, kind of seeing Anakin fall to the dark side, which we'll get into later because that was one of my favorite parts of this book. But I think that it filled in so many gaps because we have so many questions for how choppy and quick it happens in the movie that maybe didn't make sense. But after reading the novelization, it does. Yeah. But Nettie, I want to get your thoughts. I got that. Yeah, say I don't have too much new to add. Say I really enjoyed it mostly. Um, mostly. Yeah, say I. Well, I didn't know why I said mostly. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I will echo the thoughts that you guys mentioned that, like you know, the beginning could be a little slow, and it it seems kind of warty and like exposition heavy for my personal taste. And Part of that could obviously be like I obviously know who Obi Wan and Anakin is, so yeah. giving like that he, like that whole chapter that was like flushing out their backstory didn't really matter to me because we obviously know that, and some of that's even changed now with new canon. But um, I think once you get past a little bit of that, it definitely picks up, and I would definitely agree with Joy that I think it improves on the movie just because of like you guys were saying how it kept debates like the inner thoughts so much more mm-hmm. than what you can do in a movie. So I definitely think it was a, it was definitely a good read. Yeah. I, um, Jory made a really great point. He sent us some notes earlier. Um, and he did point out that the novel was declared non-canon in yes. 2014. Huge disclaimer. Um, so all the things that we're going to talk about, we can compare it to what happens later down the road, but I guess we'll keep in mind that, you know, it's not 
canon anymore. Can I offer some thoughts on that, if I might, Holly? Can I'm I be sure, unmuted for a second? I'm sure like maybe you will. a minute. Okay. I'm sure I will. Boy. So when we're talking about the canon versus non-canon discussion, I give these novelizations a pass. And I, and I, I say that with a, a little bit of a caveat because we all know and love the prequels. And I think most of us love the prequels for the story that's being told. And it's almost as if George Lucas has this great story and so much of it was edited down to be in a film format that these novels serve a huge purpose, more so than the Rogue One novelization, which I love, and Solo, and, and those are fantastic. But this is a this is a masterpiece of storytelling. And you're cutting it down to like two and a half hours when it really needs to be like four, four and a half. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I give these a pass and say I'm – and now there's some things that obviously are going to strike. They're just going to butt heads with like – new canon that we know now like the end of this book is a little different than what we know now when reading the comics but i give it a pass and i think it's worth reading because like all these guys have said it takes even small moments and elevates them in the story where they didn't get the time and do that they should have had in the movie like we've talked about when Nettie brought up that deleted scene even that is in this novelization it's a bit different but yeah. with the senators getting together and saying we're kind of forming this alliance like that was necessary and should have been included. And then some of the details with, with uh, um, um, Anakin and Padme and their love story and who knew. And, and it, there's so much more there that I think would have served the story better in the movie. So I, I give them a pass. I, I look at this as canon. I, not, I know that's not acceptable, but it's, it's worth it, I, to be honest, even though I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, I think that – I don't know. I am now – this is the first novelization of any of the movies that I've read. So I think that I'm kind of Boy. curious to read some of the other novelizations and see if I kind of have the same experience as yeah. I read through them. Yeah. So if you guys are with me on that, then we'll probably have some other novelizations in the book club um, that we'll be getting into. I'm getting a lot of thumbs up. Lots so of I thumbs think that up. that is a go. Absolutely. Um, but I do have to say this. Even though, like we just discussed, it's not considered canon now, mm. I think that it might have given me more appreciation – for this film itself, you guys saw my list. The prequels were very low on my list. Mm -hmm. I just don't typically get a lot of enjoyment out of those compared to some of the other movies. And I think that that's fair. That's just my opinion. So I think I'd be curious to read some of the other novelizations and see if it gives me a different perspective, whether it's considered canon or not, of the films. Because I feel like we understand more and have more insight into the motives behind some of the characters mm -hmm. and their reactions per se than we had from the film itself. Well, and I think this, this, this novelization, I mean, yes, the author had a lot of leniency here, but like you have to assume these authors have the story before the movie's made. And that just shows you George Lucas had all this. <laughs> the story was there. It yeah. was fleshed out and it's being pared down to a cinematic, you know, feature. And that just sometimes is unfortunate. And so I think it's I think it's good that you read it. And I think it's good that you'll continue to read it. And I, I think the prequels will probably have and this is my experience of reading like the sequel um, novelizations and stuff. They add nice little nuggets, but nothing like this because the story was pretty fleshed out. Yeah, Jory. I was just going to say that I'm sure that the authors did have some liberties that they were able to take. Yeah. Um, but I'm also sure that those liberties that they took 
that George Lucas probably read through some of those yeah. and was, was like, you know, hey, we're going to take this. We're not going to use this. You know, we're going to. And I'm sure everything was filtered through George. You know, yeah. maybe he had this over, you know, this broad overarching, you know, and then said, hey, fill in the blanks. Yeah. And they did that. But then I'm sure it was still all filtered right back through George before, yeah. you know, it was released into the public. Yeah, these, these are different. This is different yeah. than these EU novelizations that George had no part of, said he didn't care about. This had to have been different, Holly. Because we, we even see some of that with the sequel trilogy, right? What was it recently? I don't know if it was the Rise of Skywalker novelization. Mm-hmm. It might have been one of the comics, but they were told you can't, you have to rewrite this because this is actually what we're doing in the film. Yes, that was a comic book that, uh, right. oh God, I don't remember who was writing it, but they said, yeah, you can't. Oh, no, it was the Force Collector. That's right. This it was the Force Collector, collector yeah. book. Yep. And it had to be, parts of it had to be rewritten because it was pretty much what they were doing in the film. And yeah. I don't know, I think that's so fascinating. But also, I appreciate them trying to keep as much in line with the story the bigger story that's going on that they can, because I think we all appreciate it when everything kind of lines up. There's not a lot of plot holes, makes it more fun to read. Is that, uh, let me ask Jory this, cause he is, he's a huge Harry Potter fan. And like he mentioned the, the distinction between the two and that when people look at star Wars, they first look at the movies and say, well, how's the book different? But you know, it's just the opposite with Harry Potter. Is that it, how are you doing any of that or is it is this is there a clear distinction do harry potter fans ever make the comparison is it is it just a different thing completely um uh i for me for me personally i actually do uh just kind of you know, take like the movies are here the books are here yeah and and that's how i have always done that um especially especially in the harry potter universe like that's yeah that's something you definitely have to um, differentiate. And I thought it was funny because the way I kind of was thinking about this novelization to the book or to the movies, um, or the movie, uh, it, it almost seemed like somebody read this book one time a couple weeks ago and then wrote, wrote the story of, of episode three and then said, all right, we're going to make a movie. You know what I mean? Like they got all the major, all the major points, they got what they needed out of it, but then they decided that they were, you know, they're like, oh, these little details, we can't really get in there, or we forgot about them, you know, and it was like, and that's almost how this kind of correlates. Like, somebody read it a couple weeks ago, they're like, all right, now I'm going to write a script, and then here's your movie. And that's, it's almost kind of how it felt, like, you know, everything was there, but it was just a little bit less. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that, because there there were so many times and we can get into it, but there were so many times that I was reading this book and I was like, man, I wish they would have put that in the movie. Like the one scene that Michael was talking about with all the senators and they're telling um, Padme kind of like what they think about what's going on with the Jedi council and what's going on with Palpatine and how they want to fix that. And maybe Palpatine's not where he should be. And, I just think I wish that we had gotten that scene in the movie. Do you want to start with some of those? Maybe some people have specific things or like here's if I could have one scene out of the entire book that wasn't in the film, what would it be? You want to start with that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Okay, so for me, I like that scene. But if we want to talk about this particular scene, I'm about to mention more in depth at the end towards the end of the podcast, we can because I think it was a big thing that Michael wanted to touch on, too. But at the end, there's kind of this internal or it might be external it's actually hard to tell i think that's up for interpretation but it's it's where anakin skywalker is now but he's actually darth vader Mm. and it's how it feels to be 
Anakin Skywalker now. And it goes through how he feels like he's imprisoned where he is. And to me, I felt like he was saying he's imprisoned by Palpatine and also physically in the suit that he has. And Mm. he's more machine than man. And it sounds like he's in purgatory to me. But also he has to every single day wake up and remember what he did to Padme. Mm. And I just wish that they had closed this movie down kind of with those thoughts from Darth Vader's point of view. I think that would have been a fantastic way to end the film. I love your thoughts of purgatory because it, when we we all know the history of Darth Vader at this point, right. And thinking of it in that sense of there's still hope for him, right. It, It kind of is a purgatory and he makes the right choices to kind of, be released from that suffering that he appears to be in. Um, it's interesting that you brought that up, Holly. We just finished the uh, the haunting of uh, not Hill House, but uh, Bly Manor. Bly Manor. So uh, a lot of purgatory happening nowadays. It's in on our my lives. mind. It, it happens. But uh, Nettie, what's what's a scene for you that that you, if you could pluck it out of the book and put it into the movie, what what would you go with? I think a couple of things. Um, Definitely, like, all the Padme stuff, I think. Um, I just think it adds so much more to character because character is pretty much wasted in the movie, if I'm being honest, I feel. Yes. Um, I, I, I know the book still ends the same way with the lame and dumb twist of dying of a broken heart. <laughs> yes. But she still has so much more in the book because you have that internal thoughts too of like, she doesn't want to go against Anakin, but she wants to do what's right and realizing that there's kind of a difference there. Um, the conversation she has with Obi-Wan is really cool too. Like Obi-Wan just being like, yeah, I know. I just kind of let it happen, mm. but like, don't, don't make him leave the order. Now he needs it when he really didn't, but that's another whole discussion. Uh-huh. Um, so I think all the stuff they did with her character definitely, um, was really well done and um i would like to see some more of that and then i think the scene with palpatine and fighting the jedi council when they go to arrest him Mm. um was really well done because i like the part too like they make the point of him like he recorded part of the conversation to use to condemn the jedi because oh yeah if you watch the movie it is kind of just like palpatine's like yeah the jedi attacked me and like they never really explain like why everybody just kind of believes that. Yeah. So I kind of thought that was a really cool thing. Plus it kind of seemed like the fight, maybe like he got the drop on some of the Jedi masters a little bit better yeah. than what he does in the movie. Cause in the movie, he, like he just jumps up and kills two of them instantly, which I always thought was a little bit lame. Yeah. I know it's like, you can't really prepare for a man like doing like a three sixty like spiral towards you, but <laughs> it still kind of felt, um, <laughs> it still kind of felt a little bit, silly at moments for the yeah. movie so i definitely like the way that scene was fleshed out a little bit more yeah, yeah for sure um we were just joined by our very own luke elder welcome welcome luke hey luke we're talking about moment a a moment in the book we're going around the table right now a moment in the book if you could pluck it that wasn't in the movie if you could pluck yeah. it out of the book and throw it in the movie what would it be on the spot. Ooh. Yeah, coming in hot. We can right come off back to you if you need If a you need thoughts, well, that's fine, but it must not be that I don't know how well this, this would have worked in the movie, but if you uh, recall the part where it goes in elaborate detail about how he hid his lightsaber in his office, in the Ooh. Chancellor's office, like that was uh, that was something I certainly wasn't expecting. The, the whole 
how he had, you know, the art around and he always liked to have art around. So it wasn't, you know, that conspicuous that there's statues and things lying around his office and, uh, that he had it. I can't remember all the details if he had it like specially made and then he got rid of the guy who, who helped make it so that like, no one would know that, uh, it, it was hidden inside of there. Yeah. Like that was, that was pretty neat. That's crazy. What is it with the empire? Like everyone in the empire just wants to be collectors. Well, it's like they're like serial killers and trophies from their victims. But I mean, they Kylo Ren literally hung out with the ashes of his enemy. So that's kind of weird. It's really weird. And yeah. Very disturbing. Very disturbing. Uh, but uh, Rob, did you have, if you recall, a moment from the book that that you would plop right into the movie and, and make it canon? Okay. So I'm sorry if I have to be the, the negative person. <laughs> I don't want to take anything from the book because I think sometimes things are best left in the book. And that's why you want to read the book and Fair. not the movie. So I think if, if you read it, it, you explain it more. I want to take this back to Gladiator, the extended version. Okay, so there's a scene where, you know, there's where they execute somebody um, and he's lined up. He's sitting there. And this is one of the extra scenes that was deleted. And it ends up being, you know, I, I, why am I having a blank about was it Cadmus or Commodus? He shoots him himself. And at that point, you know that Commodus, right, was angry and mean. And nobody would make that move without him during that scene. That was a very riveting scene, but it was left out of the main movie because it was kind of inapparent. It wasn't really needed. You didn't need to see that he was that mean and dastardly already because he killed his fucking father. (laughs) that's all right we're allowed one f okay all right well i'll I'll be good and and, okay so i was always mad about that point and the way he killed him too he killed him close and like like suffocated him and that's to me why that was left out but yet could have been it was just another additive to the character we already knew i do like that you know the whole explanation into the saber being hidden and of course vader's thoughts at the end and things like that that's nice but i think that again it comes back those are the things you put into a book to make it the cherry on top Holly, I want to call Rob an originalist, and no, that is not a topical reference. He likes the movie as it was and keeps the book separate, and I get it. That's what makes the book special, right? Because yeah. we yes. can go to that and get those moments. So I, I totally appreciate that, man. Uh, do you get yeah. this? Is there a moment? I, 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 I think maybe you would blend them a little bit if you could, but you know, what, what, anything you would pluck out of that? Well, I guess mine would be a little more lighthearted. Uh, nothing too serious. <laughs> I really liked yours, though. Um, no, I, it was cheesy, but I liked the part of the book when Padme and Anakin exchanged uh, 3PO and R2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, like, oh, this is how they kind of switched. But and, um, Also, though, and to the scene that like, Luke referenced as well, how in the book they describe the robes kind of coming down from the ceiling Ooh. instead of him just like flipping up his hoodie. Yeah. Um, cool. And so that could have been just a little different touch, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those are just two little different things. I like those things that explain the confusion. Cause you and I talked about this, Holly, like the, like the, the, I don't know, like, like the, some of someone what Dugan just referenced, but even like, 
the Obi-Wan, like, like Anakin being so jealous. It's not really like, it's not really fleshed out in the movie. You're just like, why are you so jealous, bro? Like, this is, seems like you just turned on a dime. And I feel like what you kind of read to me in the book, it, it, they kind of, they do more with that. So you can maybe understand that, yeah. like, Palpatine's kind of feeding him some of mm-hmm. this nonsense. Yeah, I actually um, sent a text to somebody about the part to my mom on accident and the text literally said oh my god why is Anakin such a creepy little stalker boyfriend yeah and my mom actually had a response she's like is this an ex that you're talking about do we need to file charges like what what do you need what do you need no my mom was like well I follow you guys on Facebook and I saw your post so I actually knew what you were talking about thanks follows us doesn't listen to the podcast though thanks Jen oh my god thanks Jen that's fine that's fine but yeah, uh, yeah. It's I, I like those moments that kind of explain things more because I'm just like, why are you so freaking out about this, dude? And it makes more sense now after reading the book that, and, and I just kind of pretend these things were happening um, in the movie. We just never saw them. Okay, we can get to that part in a second, but I want to go back to what Andy said mm-hmm. about the exchanging of droids yeah. because it's sometimes the scenes seem like they're really small things, and yeah, they would be really cute to have like in the film. But I feel like you don't realize how much that adds to why Padme has such a hard time, like, agreeing with Obi-Wan when he comes to her later and is like, Anakin did this. And she's like, there's no freaking way. Because in her mind, he's still the guy that she married who says, like, here's my droid. I had him when I was a slave. So technically he wasn't my property. But now that I'm free, my droid is too. So I'm not actually giving him to you. Wow. He's just going to help you out. Like, it's really sad. But it's just like, well, not if he's free. No, it's terrible. Oh, my God. But there's just like those little moments that happen in this novel that you can see why Padme is kind of like, Anakin would never do something this terrible. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's the sad part. It's ve- it's all very sad. It's heartbreaking. Uh, Jory, how about you, man? Anything in particular that you'd pluck and throw into the film? Um, and uh, So... And I don't, I know that this is kind of a touchy subject because, you know, it's really hard to throw like the, the lightsaber uh, combat and, and as far as um, the forms of combat, because it really kind of gets into the legends and, and EU stuff. Um, but when they, they talk about Kenobi being the master of Sarisu and, and it's not even that he is a master, he is the master. Yeah. And the fact that he... Um, and he doesn't even know it, you know, and, and, and I feel like the movies almost did him dirty as far as like, Let's go. uh, as how, how great of a swordsman that he really was. And, um, and it's because it, it's this just simple form, you know, he's a simple guy Let's go. and, and he, you know, nothing over the top, but he just, he is he's just so humble, but he is so good. And, and, and I feel like if they would have had that that um, little thing with Mace in there, you know, just talking about – and it didn't even have to be talking about the forms of combat because that was never fleshed out in any of the movies. You know, that was strictly into the legends aspect of everything. But just giving him that nod of like you are so much more than what everybody has always thought you were – you know, you are, you are just, you are the, the man, yeah. you know, they even talk about multiple times, you know, throughout of like the council sees him in a whole different light that he sees himself. Yeah. They see him in a whole different light than Anakin even sees him because Anakin's all of Anakin's, uh, 
all of his interactions are always, you know, with Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's just so humble. And, you know, it, it just, it really makes it to where, and especially when you get into those, those conversations of, you know, who is the best Jedi and swordsman and things like that, that, you know, people like to have those conversations. And it's like, he is such a badass that, yeah. and he's never given that, that credit on film, you know, to where, like, if you go into the, um, the fight with uh, um, Dooku at the beginning, mm-hmm. like that is completely different than the movie. Yeah. Like I just watched the movie again recently and uh, he's in that fight for 0.5. He gets thrown away and then and the rest is Anakin where if you read, you know, read the novel or listen to the audiobook, like it's, I mean, he's in that fight for a while and I understand you can't really put that into the movie, but like, they discredit a lot with Obi-Wan and I feel like if they would have given him a little more credit, it would really have, uh, I don't know. I just, I just want to see Obi-Wan get some more credit. Yeah. yeah. And I think we might have a chance with that, with the Obi-Wan series. I hope Boy. I would love that because I agree, Jory. I think Obi-Wan can sometimes be, I don't know, a little bit like, People can just like write him off. Yes, yeah, he's sloppy. He's kind of a stumbling idiot. And and that's how he's portrayed in a lot of the movies, mm-hmm. right? And you don't really take him seriously. Like, you know, it's big bad Anakin. Like Obi-Wan, like psh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, but then you see him, even through this book, you see him kind of transform from like Obi-Wan as you know him in the Clone Wars and in the beginning of this film or this novel and then at the end of it you get that depressed dark Mm. sad obi-wan that michael wants so Mm. desperately to Mm. see in the film Mm. but you get him even saying he's telling yoda which also this is one of my favorite moments of this novel you have this interaction between obi-wan and yoda after they find out that it was a jedi who went to the temple and slaughtered all the younglings and killed the Jedi Master, I don't recall his name, um, but the lightsaber master. And Obi-Wan is so devastated, he gets to the point where he said, I should have let the clones kill me. They should have got me with their blasters. And I just feel like Uh, it's almost hard to not have an emotional reaction to that because as much as Obi-Wan is portrayed as that sloppy, like, Jedi who you don't really take seriously because they want you to take Anakin more seriously, I think... Yeah. You can't help but feel so sorry for him and truly love him. Well, thank God for the final fight scene in the movie because you're exactly right. They may look like an idiot throughout the entire prequel you know, trilogy. However, he's on the freaking council. So that's what never made sense to me. You're making him look like an idiot. He's on the council and he scratches yeah. his beard. Obviously, he's wise. So and I get <laughs> it. It's to elevate Anakin. I understand it. But then like he owns Anakin. So Jory's right, like to give him a little, even mm-hmm. little nod of being like, you're a master of something, yep. you don't even realize it. And that's maybe what's great about Obi-Wan is that kind of like selflessness and his dedication to, to the order is, is what kind of let him to be, you know, kind of the lone gun there at the end. But Holly, you're right. When you, well, Holly was reading to me out loud some of these great moments, which was fantastic. I always love being read to Holly. So thank you for that. But yeah. that, those moments with Yoda and Obi-Wan and Yoda's realization of his failure Boy, it was giving me chills with your dramatic reading, so I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. I have a good dramatic reading. Absolutely do. You know, a lot of little flair that I don't think was actually in the book. Holly adds to it, which keeps it interesting. But let's take some of these moments, Holly. Let's talk about some of these big moments in depth um, and really flesh these things out. What do you want to start with? 
Um, let's see. I know that we talked a little bit about the lightsaber battles. Um, I know Jory had a little bit of an opinion about those. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to jump in, Jory, but I know you said that the early lightsaber battles are a lot better in the book than you saw them on screen. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to run with that and was that maybe just the way that they were described. I told you guys that I thought those were a little bit slow for me because I don't think that's really the yeah. kind of content that I come to Star Wars for in the yeah. book form. Now, the movies, I'm all about the lightsaber battles, but the yeah. book form, I'm not so much. Well, let's not sugarcoat. You said effing terrible in the first 50 pages, but go that's ahead. still not what I said. That's okay. No, I... I- and I definitely understand that. Like, it's not for everybody. And, and I think that, like, for me, like, it was great. And, and it kept everything flowing pretty well. Um, I just thought that the little add-ons were pretty awesome as far as, like, you got to hear, like, inside their head. Um, you know, I have uh, – I had, you know, a, a note written down, like, Anakin's power yeah. um, when he was defeating Dooku. Um it was almost Neo-esque, you know, in the matrix of like, he just, like, he just knew. Like once he started believing that it was true, it, it almost just came to fruition. You know, it's like he, he had this like epiphany of, you know, he just saw what was going to happen. And he even said to himself, like all of the extras in between, it's all just detail. It's already written. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to kill him. You know, and and it was like he almost got bored with it. And that's when he decided to take both of his hands and, and kill Dooku. And, wow. and, and not even at that point, he didn't decide to kill Dooku. You know, obviously he was pushed by Palpatine to do so. But he just it, it like those little things, those little tidbits that you get, you know, as to the force and, you know, and how it played into um, those uh, those little moments are pretty sweet. Um, and then another little spot, um, and I think this is a little bit later in the book, but, uh, Obi-Wan, he's, uh, he uses the force to, uh, open up Grievous's hand yeah. and, and he drops, you know, he, he drops the lightsaber and, uh, then he's able to, you know, dis- dismantle Grievous and then he does this later on and I don't want to get too far into it. He does the same thing later on to Anakin. Um, you know, using the force to open up Anakin's hand, you know, to drop its lightsaber and then get that lightsaber back. Just those little things that um, you obviously could never get in a movie because you can't get inside somebody's head that's yeah. acting. But, uh, you know, those little things are, are pretty sweet that are just like nice little add-ons. Jory, for my own information, did, in that Dooku scene, did they ever talk about Dooku's thoughts in that moment? Because you, he feel it. He looks really betrayed in the film. And did they did they also ever talk about, you know, Palpatine interfering with that confrontation? Or was that was it purely just Anakin kind of tapping into the dark side? No, they definitely do. Um, and that's he actually has his own like little aside. Um, and he you he get a pre battle and then a during the battle and then almost like a, his last thoughts um in pre-battle you know he's he's with emperor palpatine and and they're they're doing you know they're they're discussing how everything's supposed to go down and and uh you know and that's something that you didn't get in the movies actually yeah. you didn't get you didn't even know that um 
that they actually were talking prior to Anakin and Obi-Wan entering the scene. And that's something that they have to flesh out in the book. And then during the battle, they get, you get uh, Dooku's like almost realization when he's fighting Obi-Wan and Anakin, uh, they, you get this like point of, he's like, there's no Jedi that can even stand against me. Like he is just so confident in himself. And then you find out that Anakin and Obi-Wan are feigning, um, everything. And then they like, just basically turn it on and he's just like, Oh shit. Like, this is not good. Like he has just this like, Oh no, like I am in (laughs) trouble. And then that's when he decides he's going to kill Obi-Wan. And then that's when he kind of takes him out of commission and then, you know, and then that I think is really cool, too, because you get to see Anakin and Obi-Wan actually working together as a yeah. team and getting this like deep insight as to their thought pro- and not even really their thought process, but just how they are just this cohesive unit that you didn't really ever see in the movies, like not in a, in a way of like uh, they together, they're almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I thought that that was pretty cool. And then. At the very end, right before he dies, um, he has these thoughts of like, oh, no, like it's just just the p- betrayal by Palpatine <laughs> and and how all of his life, you know, he thought was leading up to, you know, this this grandeur. And yeah. he was going to be like this, the the general of the Sith army. And then he realizes right before the end that he. They, his whole life was just set up to just lead to Anakin taking over. Just yeah, a pawn. They say treachery. It, the chapter, I think, begins and ends with the same line, and that's treachery is the way of the Sith. Yes. How do they fall for it every time they know what's going to happen? And, you know, the novel really <sighs> jumps you right into understanding how Palpatine has this all planned out. Yeah. And, and maybe it's just me, but when I read through that, Jory, I was like, man – Palpatine built Dooku up yeah. and gave him this false sense of confidence because he knew he was going to use him as a pawn. Yes. And he was like, no Jedi can strike you down. It will never happen. And then he used Dooku to then boost Anakin's confidence in having Anakin kill him mm-hmm. to be like, look what, what you, you can did. do yeah. when you feel like you need to. It might not be what the Jedi have told you to do, but you knew it was right when you felt like you needed to kill him because he was too dangerous to keep alive. And then he reminds you of all the terrible things that have happened in your life and why it's justified. He's done it with every single person he's he's taken on as an apprentice, God, and it's I his mastery. I freaking love it. Ugh. What's another, Holly, what's another big moment that uh, we can really, really dig into? Uh, Jory, I think you might have had something else to say. Oh, shit. Sorry, buddy. No. Okay. Oh, gosh. I don't know. You guys feel free to jump in if there's something that we're missing that you guys want to talk about. Hey, Mike or anyone else read the Legends Plagueis book. In that, do you get more of like a Palpatine perspective at all? Oh, yeah. In that? Oh yeah. You do? Oh yeah. Okay. It's, there's so much you get his background with his parents and you how okay. how he was kind of you know, Darth Plagueis kind of went out and saw him. Yeah, there's a lot of Palpatine in it. As much as it's a Plagueis okay. book, lots of Palpatine. It's fantastic. But that's what you, right. it makes you kind of feel bad for no. him because it gives it oh. shows you kind of <laughs> I mean, he he killed his family and like terrible things. Like there's but you Star Wars has a way of making you feel kind of bad for these villains and saying I get it. I get it. Sometimes you just got to murder your family. Sometimes you know, I'm just kidding that there's no justification. This for is that, like the but. Amityville 
yeah. horror yeah. now. You're absolutely right. No, I will say this. I don't know if any of you guys felt this way, but reading this in the book, that scene where Dooku realizes that he was just a pawn for Palpatine, mm. I did kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. And then I felt gross. Dooku, Jedi lost. I, it's, 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 it, the man had potential. and But then again, was he... Oh, boy. The whole ending with Yoda realizing his failures and maybe he could have learned something from Dooku and maybe things could have been different. I don't know. That's a huge – that's probably a four-hour discussion for another time. (laughs) But – I don't know. I – okay. Something else that I – I'm sure that this is very obvious in the movies and I'm going to admit it's been a really long time since I've actually seen this movie. I think it's been since we watched – 2005? Yeah. Probably. Sure. Boy. Anyway, I just like you really start to realize and have an appreciation for how much Palpatine knew. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's more you understand how much more he knew reading through this novel than you truly know from watching the movie. Yeah. I don't know if you guys thought that, too, but he knew. The, the one thing about that that kind of at least brought it to light a little bit more in the book especially when Anakin was a young Padawan, why was Palpatine just around Anakin all the time? Or like, or not all the time, but why was this young boy around the chancellor by himself? Right. Yeah. It it, it doesn't make like it just even to allow all those opportunities. It doesn't, it's hard to imagine why some of those were even around and how those arose. Yeah. Yeah. It It felt weird. Like, yeah. it, 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 like, it seems like Palpatine's like a pervert at points. Like, why are you? Probably was. That? He yeah. probably was. I mean, there are lots of weird themes like that yeah. in Star Wars. You have Luke and Leia sharing a little bit of romance. Padme you have Anakin. a nine-year-old child yeah. realizing that he was going to marry a woman when he got older. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I thought that that was weird, too. Also, like, of all, like, of how many senators there are, Mm -hmm. I understand that he's, like, the guy. But also, like, why was he around Anakin so much more than Anakin was around, like, all the Jedi in training? Like, shouldn't have that been taking up more time? He's a he's a he's a trusted ally. And, And Palpatine, if he's if there's some information that's going to help him use that against you in the future he's gonna he's involving himself yeah jory well i think they kind of start like they don't really explain as to why they don't really give a good explanation um but the little tidbits that you do get like even from mace windu's perspective is that the jedi council really trusted um palpatine like a lot and and i don't know how long he was in that position of power you know to to have that kind of position of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but up until, um, and this is another point that we can talk about, um, about Mace Windu's shatter points. Um, but up until like really later on or almost to this book, it seemed like Mace even was really on board with what Palpatine was doing. Yeah. Um, so if he has that much influence, even on the masters of the Jedi order, you know, you can only imagine what, you know, what they trusted him with, you know, you know, Anakin really seems to, you know, we kind of kind of guess that Anakin was kind of like the problem child at the, at the Mm -hmm. Jedi Academy. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, you know, maybe letting him talk to this other guy, this almost like father, grandfather figure 
or uncle figure or whatever he was to Anakin, you know, it seems like every time he goes there, he comes back and, you know, and, and he does really well. And so they're like, you know, well, let's just keep, let's let him keep going. Yeah. You know, let him, let him talk to Palpatine. It kind of seems like that he talks some sense into him and, and then, you know, good things happen afterwards. So, um, <laughs> we don't really get that. And this is all just speculation, but, uh, you know, maybe some good things were coming out of it. So they're like, you know what, we're just going to let him go because he's the chosen one and we need him you yeah. know, ready to go when it all comes down to it. Yeah, that blind faith yeah. in the chosen one that ultimately leads to their failure for sure. No, that's true. That came up a lot in this novel too. Like, And even Anakin would say that like when Palpatine was like, join me, Anakin was like, but I'm the chosen one. This yeah. is not what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And Palpatine's like, are you going to let that hold you back? God, what an ass. Yeah. It also makes you wonder, like, what that relationship between the Chancellor and the Jedi has been like in the past. You know, I, 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 all we really see is Valorum. And I, and I think they talk about it at some point in some of the books I've read, like past Chancellors, and, and Luke may even be able to allude to it. But, like, maybe the relationship wasn't that great. And Palpatine was just kind of like, a, hey, yeah, guys, whatever you need. Like, man, yeah, let's, we, thanks for saving me on Thebe. Like, what, whatever it is that you need, I, like with he said yeah. with, with Anakin, he you want to plan it? Great. It's yours. The whole system, just, have it. Yeah, he's just a, he wants, that's how he gets you on his side. Whatever it is that you need, I can. I got deep connections. I can make mm-hmm. that happen for you. Yeah. And that's just that's just mm-hmm. his master of manipulation. I told Michael. I said that's also very topical because yeah. it feels like everything with Palpatine is very transactional. Yeah. Holly, I mean, I feel not like to. not to make it topical, <laughs> but you know, a lot of a lot of you know transactional conversations Look, going on in the book. There I are just that. a lot of parallels to politics in the United States today that I could not stop seeing. It's a good. It, it, hey, that's why it's but, intriguing stuff. Do we know, guys? This is just my own ignorance. I don't know if this is stuff that anybody knows. Probably Luke. Uh, how far back the history of the Senate? goes i guess since michael was talking about like what the relationship with the chancellor and the jedi council was before i don't know if that's something that we would get in like the high republic stuff too or if it doesn't go that far back i don't know yeah i mean it's been around for general i mean decades decades yeah i think it goes back quite a while but there's some other stuff in like the clone wars series that kind of hints at the relationship between i think the chancellor's office specifically and the Jedi, where um, there's the great episode where they're digging into the um, the past of Sifo-Dyas and how he disappeared. And uh, he was sent on a special mission by the Chancellor's office when it was Chancellor Valorum. Mm-hmm. So I think that goes to show you that, like, the Chancellor, the, the Jedi Order in its tying itself to working together with the Republic government, the Chancellor's office is like the main liaison, I think, between the Order and the the Republic government. And so I think part of Palpatine's continuing relationship with Anakin is through that mm-hmm. like vector that it's just natural for the chancellor to be involved with the order as the main person liaising with the, with the order. Uh, so he's, he can kind of work that into plus the, the history of him, you know, Anakin helping save his planet. He can, you know, get in there and it's not seen as like totally, like crazy that that Palpatine's involved with him I think is part of that I guess that's also true since Anakin and Padme obviously had a pretty close relationship especially as Anakin got older and Padme and um, Palpatine why did I almost just forget his name I don't know yeah Uh, but Anakin 
would be closer to Palpatine because he would be around Padme and her and Palpatine kind of had that still kind of closer relationship. Well, even the little tidbit that we know about the High Republic, they say even 200 years ago, I think it was 200 years ago, right? Sure. There was a difference that the Republic and the Jedi were a little more separate. And it's only more of a recent thing to where, you know, they're not just doing the bidding of the the uh, the chancellor, but that relationship is a lot closer. And like Luke said, it seems like, you know, Palpatine's really kind of bringing them even closer together. And Anakin yeah. seems to be the, the, the common thread. Well, and he's like inserted himself into every aspect of Anakin's life, right? I mean, yes. In my opinion, he's the one who. And guys, you can tell me if you don't agree with this. When I was reading this book, I said to Michael, I was like, so Palpatine's the one who made Anakin have that dream about Padme dying in childbirth, right? Because then Palpatine brings it up later in the book and he knows about their marriage he tells Anakin he uses that against Anakin like I know like you and Padme can be really happy together like I know you guys are married and you guys have been hiding it and he just like I feel like everything that Anakin does Palpatine's behind oh absolutely I thought that was one of the most powerful things about this book is that even the 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 like we said the mistrust about Obi-Wan to like that that came out of left field for me in the movie. Like, wait, you what? Like, obviously Obi Obi Wan's only been around her when you were around. He ain't hitting on her. But like, uh, Nettie, is that like? I don't know. To me, that's the red meat of this book is really showing Palpatine kind of sowing those threads of mistrust and and really sinking his teeth into this this impressionable kid who thinks he's the chosen one. But there's also a lot of pressure on him. He even admits that too, doesn't he? In the is that the I think he says it in the book um, being all this pressure on him yeah. is that was that a you know is that a really important part of this book to you as well yeah I would definitely say they do a really good job of showing that um I don't think I don't know if there's too many conversations in the book that out in the, the movie itself but they flush them out a lot more yeah plus the ability that they can go inside the heads of you know Anakin and Palpatine just adds that other level to it that you're not going to get usually and so like we've all touched on i think at this point you see anakin's fall from a different perspective and i think it makes a lot more sense than novel than it does if you just watch the film um and yeah i think it's definitely fleshed out here and while we're on the subject of palpatine something that popped into my mind is and he might do this in a movie and i'm just remembering but he always calls anakin he always goes my boy my boy yeah and the first time I saw that, immediately I was I thought of Snoke, and I have yeah. the Kylo Ren comic here, and literally that's how he eats him. He's just my boy. It makes and, so much I mean, sense. Obviously, these are written like fifteen years apart. Yeah, but I think it's kind of cool that like you know maybe that does show that some of the Snoke stuff was planned yes. with the Palpatine. Yeah, from the beginning, I thought that was kind of cool because, and like I said, if I'm wrong, and he does call Anakin my boy in the movie all the time correct me but i don't remember that so i just thought that was kind of some kind of cool details in there yeah i so let's let's talk about some of the parallels between what what happened in this novel and what we see in the sequel trilogy Mm. especially i think the rise of skywalker i know i had some notes written about that and then jory sent in some notes Nettie just brought it up the first note that i wrote down um was from when kenobi Sidious is having a conversation and he says, 
his master was my Padawan. In a sense, he's practically my grandson. Mm. And I just thought that, yeah, CIC jury giving a thumbs up. I just felt like that's so funny because as we find out, Sidious does have a grandchild. And it, in some moments when I'm reading through the stuff in this novel, the different parallels that I found, I was like, it's almost like when they were making The Rise of Skywalker, like this novel was kept in mind. And some of the things that oh, happened absolutely. in this book was kept in mind to kind of bring it back full circle. I don't know, Jory, you had some other parallels to The Rise of Skywalker that you mentioned too, if you want to bring those up. Yeah, just so, just so, because I think you might have misquoted that, Holly, and, and I know what you meant, but it was actually Dooku that said that he's practically my grandson, which I knew you knew that, but um, yeah, Dooku says he's practically my grandson, talking about Obi-Wan because he mm. trained uh, Qui-Gon and then Qui-Gon trained yeah. Obi-Wan. Um, and, and I know you knew that, but, um, but no, I thought that there were a few different parallels, and one of the biggest ones, um, came at the end when Yoda versus uh, Sidious or Palpatine or whatever we want to call him. Uh, and they, they had a little, little uh, description in there. That said that uh, it was, it was more than Yoda versus Sidious. It was all of the light versus yeah. all of the dark. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they said it was even more than all of the Jedi versus all of the Sith. <clears throat> it was light versus dark. And this is in, it kind of spoke to the rise of Skywalker because it was all of the Sith versus all the Jedi. And that was kind of what they were getting at, you know, it's light versus dark. And, uh, and, you know, and, and rave and says, or it, it, I mean, Palpatine, brings it up first you know i am all of the sith and then you know she has her whole little flipping of the the lightsaber behind her back and you know crossing the of the guard and, and then says you know and i am all of the jedi which is almost a little praise to uh end game as well but we won't get into that right now. <laughs> but, uh, but but no like i thought that they, that they did pull from this and and uh you know and it, it it was just really cool. And I think that you, with your comparison there, that they almost had this on the, on the table of like, Hey, you know, this was pretty cool from the novelization. Maybe we can incorporate it into, um, you know, into the rise of Skywalker, but you know, just so happens Endgame did it right before them. So, yeah. you know, kind of a little bit of a, but <laughs> no, there, there were a lot of parallels through this. Something else uh, in that same scene, Jory, that was really striking to me, I think it's one of the things I read out loud to Michael because I was like, this feels like the last scene in Mm -hmm. The Rise of Skywalker. I feel like when I was watching that scene where Palpatine comes out on his creepy crane and Ray, he's like, strike me down. Mm -hmm. And you have in the background all of those figures in the red cloaks. And when I was watching that, I was like, this is creepy AF and Mm -hmm. who the hell are these people? And then in this novel... I feel like they kind of explain that a little bit when they talk about how they're like the thousands of years of Sith and they call them, what do they call them? Like the red, like the red hoods or it's, there's, uh, I don't have the page number written down. Somebody can correct me later, but yeah, they reference like the color of the cloaks that they're wearing, which we also see in that scene in the rise of Skywalker. And I just felt like that was, well, Something Palpatine himself cool. is wearing. You don't really see him wearing. I mean, he, as the as you know, the Emperor and Revenge of the Sith, you see it a little bit, but re- it's really pronounced in the Rise of Skywalker. And whether they like like Nettie alluded to, maybe it give it, maybe it leads to a little more the idea that they had an idea that they were going to bring Palpatine back. 
I don't know if I I don't know if I fully buy it, but it makes you wonder even more. You know, at least they went back to this material and they said we want to make this feel like the prequels. We want to we want to give a nod to that story and tie it in and and give maybe Palpatine that moment that it didn't really feel like him and Yoda battling out was that epic of a moment to me. Um, you know, they, what Holly read it made even Yoda sound a little more arrogant. Even even though well, he seems a little arrogant and saying it, you know, that they're not as you know whatever he said. I think I think that it's actually a humbling moment for Yoda because he says and suddenly in that moment he realizes that the Jedi have been doing it all wrong and when the Jedi have been focusing on winning the battle by how they should have won the last battle. The Sith for years have been studying the lore of the Mm -hmm. Jedi and they've been moving forward and progressing and changing. And Yoda says, it's my fault that the Jedi order failed. I failed because I didn't allow them to progress Jory. No, but I also think that that speaks to Yoda's wisdom to that. He could actually see that, you know, because, you know, we always think of the Jedi and and I agree that they were so blinded by their, um, by their arrogance. Um, but the fact that their grandmaster was able to see that in himself and say, you know, we've been doing this all wrong. Um, you know, I think that that's that's a huge moment for Yoda, and it's something that we could almost look up to him for and say, "Oh, you know what? They realized they messed up, yeah. you know, or at least he did." And then he was able to, um, you know, move on and, and decided that they were going to train, you know, Luke or Leia, whichever one came in, um, you know, when they were ready, not from infancy, but when mm-hmm. they were ready, um, you know, to be trained. And, you know, and I thought that that was a pretty awesome moment for Yoda. Um, I did also think that the speculation for the movies um, wasn't really brought into the novelization because like when you see Yoda grab the lightning in the movie Mm -hmm. and he's able to almost absorb it and then throw it back at um, Palpatine, you almost feel like Yoda has tampered with the dark side at some point. You know what I mean? Almost has, almost has, uh, he, he broadened his own horizons even past what he teaches to his students. Um, you know, and you didn't really get that, um, in his inner thoughts. Um, but the fact that he was able to do that, to take the lightning and then, you know, redirect it. Um, especially if you listen or, or sorry, listen or read into the EU a little bit more, you have to understand that that's not something that a Jedi can just do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that, uh, you have to have had a little bit of knowledge prior to and tampered into the dark side. And actually, this kind of takes me back to my childhood because my dad, that was one of the first things he said to me. He was like, the fact that he can do that, like, and my dad's not even a real like super nerd. My dad actually, actually listens. And he's like, you guys are way nerdier than I ever was. (laughs) And, uh, but he's like, you know, that was one of the first things he said to me. He's like, you know, the fact that Yoda was able to do that means that he, you know, had to, at some point have tampered with the dark side. And then it's just kind of cool. And what makes you think maybe, you know, he was Dooku's master, you know, Dooku was pretty open-minded about things, ultimately led him to the dark side, but Yoda's also taught probably thousands of Jedi. So who, who knows, you know, could could that influence have kind of, you know, let off on, on some of his Padawans? I don't know. Can, Can we talk about that, that 
idea of Yoda's failure and his realization of that failure and how quick it was. Like Jory likes that. I I'm kind of glad they've done what they've done with Yoda and and gave him time because it's such an it took them you know. They, they they were failing for a thousand years, right? Like I think Yoda says specifically, like we were just preparing for yesterday's battle yeah. or something like that. We were just doing the same thing for a thousand years. And to me, for him to just be like, wow, I really jacked up like so quickly and being like, I've already lost like before the battle has even begun. He's having this realization like that is epic, but I kind of like that. Because to me now, and then the huge spoiler alert for the book, that he talks to Qui-Gon. We already know he does, but Qui-Gon actually talks to him in this story. And it it kind of, to me, takes away a little bit from Qui-Gon and what Qui-Gon's learned and how much he is going to teach Yoda uh, in years to come. And, and, and it just takes me to Yoda's moment with Luke on Octu and, and how much, you know, how much time it's going to take for someone to, to kind of learn from these, you know, hundreds of years of failures and yoda's and the thing that's the thing yoda's been there the whole time for it for the most part it's it, like you read the book i didn't i need to <laughs> disclose that for everyone just starting to listen now i did not read the book but like i i understand luke skywalker a little more having those realizations and and be like i, I you know i kind of messed up but yoda this is like decades of of learning and failure on his part and it is cool that he had that moment but I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like that. It, it he sits on it for a while, you know, and and on Dagobah, much training he has to do, and I kind of, I kind of like that. And maybe they can kind of live together there. But Luke, you and I tend to share a lot of, lot of thoughts on on <laughs> on, on Star Wars. What what did you think of you know? Because it's obviously it's not really accepted now in canon that that Yoda. Well, I maybe it is. Maybe Yoda had this realization, and that's canon. I don't know. But what what do you think about that moment? Can it live with Star Wars as we know it now, or or no? I'm down with it. Down with it? He's down. I'm sorry, I don't have like a lot more than that. <laughs> That's okay. Let somebody else go. That's okay. I liked that moment because I feel like there's like this whole still this whole idea where people are like the Jedi are amazing and they're so perfect and they have nothing wrong with them and there are no flaws and Yoda's like no (laughs) actually I am so in tune with the force that now I can realize immediately everything that went wrong and I just thought that I don't know I liked that moment because I think that maybe if we all were a little bit more like Yoda yeah it could be a little better. That was so cheesy. I just, I just think about like, I don't know, Yoda and Luke and their training, and I just feel like there was then so much to be shared, and maybe that was just Yoda okay. kind of saying, "Well, Luke, that's that's your path. Yeah. I can't really give you all this information. Like, you got to find your own destiny." Here's the thing: Yoda oh, said this in this book, he said that a lot of these things yeah. have to be taught. Yeah. You cannot just inherently know that. A lot of pen slamming going on there in the podcast. Is, yes, Great for podcasting, Holly. Just, just want to say that sound that's travels that, yes. through the microphone. Okay. Yeah. You want to talk about like why like why couldn't this just be said? You were the one who brought up. Michael said, why can't we talk about the failure of Qui-Gon Jinn for a second? Jesus. If we know from this novel, Come on. we have it here yep. in writing yeah. that Qui-Gon has yes. been well okay the force has been talking to yoda in qui-gon's voice we can yeah. assume that it's qui-gon sharing things did with he yoda. say how many years yeah there were 13 lucky number 13 
Yeah. Michael was like, why couldn't have you talked to Anakin? And yes. then, yes. and then, Qui-Gon, at the end of the novel, shares with yep. Yoda this whole idea of eternal life, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Anakin is trying to seek for Padme. Yes. And if Qui-Gon had just come out and talked huh? to Anakin and told Anakin... Star Wars would have been completely different. It would have been done. Let's talk about the failure of Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm not talking about him getting stabbed by Darth Maul. Yeah, pfft. You got to stay lower, buddy. Okay. Don't get in that high. They're going to stab you right in the stomach. But if he's talking, someone talk to me about this. If he's talking to Yoda here, clearly he's been communicating with the for years. And we know in episode two, when Anakin's slaying the, the, the Tuscan Raiders, Anakin, no, he can very clearly communicate at that point. And he seems to be an enlightened individual at this point. Like, why wasn't he talking to Anakin? Is that something anyone's ever thought about? Like, Anybody? It's just not canon. It's not canon it's now. It's just not canon. Maybe it just doesn't matter. Holly thought maybe Palpatine's preventing that from happening. Maybe I did, yeah. Anakin's kind of dabbling with the dark is preventing that from happening. I don't know. Nettie, is that is that something you thought about? Yeah, I was. I haven't thought about it too much before, but now that you brought it up, yeah, the two thoughts came to mind. One was that maybe Palpatine was somehow blocking Anakin from that influence. Yeah. The other one is in the. Uh, certain point of view book. Yes. There's a short story in here called Master and Apprentice, not to be confused with Claudia Gray's actual book, <laughs> Master and Apprentice. But um, where Qui-Gon comes and talks to Obi-Wan, yeah. it's actually doing uh, A New Hope when Luke runs back to the fam- or the farm to find out his family dead. Uh, and Obi-Wan's like uh, cleaning up the Jawas. Yeah. Qui-Gon's talking to Obi-Wan and the way they kind of talk, like present Qui-Gon, it's almost like he's like a being outside of time. Like they kind of heavily hint that he knows Obi-Wan's about to die, but he's not going to tell Obi-Wan that obviously. Yeah. And then I think if you look at like the Obi-Wan story that does take place when he dies, it's kind of, you get kind of some of the same aspects with that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if maybe you could like argue something like yeah. Qui-Gon knew Anakin would have to fall. Great point. But, like he, it's kind of that, like, you know, idea of like, if you look at like just regular Catholicism or Christianity or something that like how are you all powerful and all good and like maybe sometimes like it's not all like being all powerful and all good doesn't mean all controlling yeah like you have to kind of like see it play out great point I think it maybe maybe it's something like that I think I don't know I think there could be a case for that it's almost like he's in the world between worlds seeing the future play out and he's like it's this is the path he has to go down for the empire to actually fall that's yeah that's genius of like yeah I could intervene but where would that this is how it's 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 destiny. This is what's supposed to happen. He needs to go through this. Yeah. It, his, his story isn't finished. Like, that's fantastic. Nanny, thank you for clearing that up for me. Uh, that totally makes sense now. Now I'm off my tangent. It all just comes back it to destiny, Michael. That's what Star Wars is about. <laughs> that's too much. I got you. Rob, you got it? <laughs> look. And look, you guys have like you guys have my mind just going Same. over here. Okay, I I, I have like twenty things written down. Let's go. I'm not talk about them all. Look, first of all, when we're talking about a neo esque moment with Anakin, that that was done all in like one swift moment. Yeah, in the book we had the talk, but if you go back to the movie, when Anakin comes in, he goes. <laughs> It's just, it's so smooth. It does show how powerful he is. And it sets the tone because he takes a command from Palpatine. To me, he he was called my boy, 
it was working towards that, but at the same time, Anakin took that command. He said, just do it. Done. Yeah. And he just chopped them. But Dooku deserved that bullshit. Because <laughs> Dooku, for years, had tried to kill Palpatine because Dooku always wanted to be the most powerful because he was arrogant. Yeah. And that's what Sith become. Sith are arrogant. All of them. Yeah. Even the books, the EU, yeah. everything, they're always arrogant. right? And so at that point, when you say, uh, like, the book says, Anakin made Dooku drop the lightsaber. Did he really? Did Palpatine maybe do that? Because Palpatine really is just the author of of the whole movie trilogy, anything, the nine movies. Palpatine is the author. So if he's writing, he did it all. That's just my my thing. And I think at the same time, look, the Jedi trusted Palpatine because of Padme, because of where he came from. And that's why they did that. And I think also, going back, the Clone Wars books also broke up Anakin and Obi-Wan. So you got a little bit of insight to how they would act without. And I think that's where Rex excelled because, you know, and then Rex eventually excelled with Ahsoka. And we see all this stuff. So then when you do that, you go back to the betrayal. And, it, I mean, the Jedi Temple has been destroyed multiple times. So I don't know what I'm giving you the best, the best, smallest thing leading up to what I got to say. So we know that it's been destroyed. Palpatine is the writer. He kills. He ultimately wants somebody to be – he doesn't want to be his master. He doesn't want to be Plagueis. He doesn't want to be like, yo, my – you know, my Padawan killed me. So he's just like, mm, going to kill you before you get powerful. Mm, kill you before you get powerful. Mm, kill you before you're powerful. Again, writing the story. But the arrogance of the Jedi when you were talking about Yoda, we had this discussion on the casual council multiple times that Yoda always overlooks stuff. Yeah. And then we talked about the dark side. Is that the dark side in Yoda? Is it really the dark side in Yoda? Because be. maybe... Maybe the one thing that Yoda took from the dark side was the arrogance, was the he could look past that. But in the end, we again, this is why I separate the EU in the movies, is because no matter how arrogant every single one of them, and then y'all brought up the thousand years, the thousand years that this is, which also, of course, coincides with the Sith planet that was hidden for. Hmm, about a thousand years, yet there was a leader on that planet that Yoda and Palpatine didn't know about, but the books, they portray that leader in the same voice on the audiobooks like Palpatine. So when you all said all of this together and how Anakin was made and how it all, like the whole top, like the movies and some of these books may have been Palpatine's doing, but for me, when because of reading the EU, the questions, and I've said this multiple times, the questions always pop into my head. How the heck did anybody know about this? If they're all so powerful, how didn't they know about that? Because it's not canon. And because it's not canon, canon is simply created off of the movies, the Clone Wars, and maybe a few other things. And I think that's what gives it its nice little 
Kelly Bowen. Yeah, there's just there's too much in the in the expanded universe for them to even like control, and I think that's a lot of the reason why they kind of just pared it down to to what we have now. But what, what Rob was talking about the the arrogance of Yoda, it's it's interesting because I, it doesn't seem to be like a dark side in Yoda because even Palpatine when they're kind of trading insults back and I forget what uh, Yoda says is his downfall. And, uh, and he says, your arrogance is yours. It's almost like he doesn't recognize like Yoda's arrogance as a Sith trade or a dark side trade. It's almost just like, like you're just an arrogant Jedi. It's, it's something different uh, for sure. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, Yoda's a complex character, and I think we we probably could have learned a lot from a, a Yoda spinoff. I, I would like to know a little more about, you know, I don't know. If, if, can he really just forget a, a 900 years worth of training and doing in, in one moment? I, no. That's that's a very enlightened individual, but I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to to learn a little more about that gentleman. Uh, Jory? No, I actually think that a Yoda, Yoda spinoff would be – um freaking amazing for star wars um they just have so much that he can go off of and and to get his i mean you have so much in his backstory but even just getting in inside of his head and to see uh what you know what yoda's you know his being in canon now um you know where his head at was at you know post this and or even prior to all this um there's so much there, but Rob brought up a pretty good point. Um, and you know, it kind of made me think of a question and, you know, like would Palpatine have made sure that Anakin was handicapped, um, if he wasn't maimed by Obi-Wan, you know, in their final battle or not their final battle, but, um, but you know, their first battle of him being uh, Darth Vader, because if you get into the Sith thought process, uh, is the master is always looking for the apprentice's betrayal. And, you know, and so with that being said, uh, we know that Palpatine is always looking for uh, the upper hand. He's always like, he is, he is the ultimate Sith. Um, you know, even prior to anything in Star Wars, there's really not anything that compares to Palpatine in EU. Um, and so like, would he have done something to make sure that Anakin was always handicapped in that way? Um, you know, if things would not have, and I know we're speculating here, but if things have not gone down the same way they, they did at Mustafar, um, would he have done something to make sure that Anakin was always reaching for that apple that he can never, you know, never quite reach it and always needing Palpatine to where he never, you know, betrayed him because, you know, we kind of get into the end um, when Anakin becomes Darth Vader, and uh, and especially if you get into the, some of the backstory with Darth Vader, mm-hmm. like he created this suit for him that you know always put him in pain, mm-hmm. always made him you know always like it, he handicapped him with this suit that is actually saving his life. But if this all would not have happened. Um, would there have been something that he was able to keep him in an arm's length of just, you know, always reaching for this apple that, you know, you never quite get, you always going to need me because if you go into any of these EU stories, you know, that's always where these masters are. They're never giving you 
all of their uh, all of their knowledge because mm-hmm. you need them, and so that's why you're not going to betray them. Luke's ready for this one. <laughs> I just want to know one word before Luke goes. No matter what, Avalok beheaded that. <laughs> I, had, I knew Avalon yes. was going to find a way somehow yes. into this novelization, yes. though not mentioned Avalon once. would have just ate them all up. She, <laughs> she fought like four Sith. Luke, Ben, come on, man. She fought like seven Jedi, and she was completely, but again, going back a thousand, Avalon comes around every thousand years. So I didn't know what I know about Avalon. She's I mean, written out. She, she, Star Wars may need some material. They may they may pull it in at some point. We'll have to see. We'll have to see, Luke. Specialist on the dramatic readings, but if you permit me, since Joy's brought up the end of the novel, <laughs> it really is to me uh, the best part of the novel. Um, and I'd like to do a little bit of dramatic readings. I don't know yes. if we spent enough time sort of talking about. Um, the Padme Anakin relationship and how it leads him to make the decisions that he makes. Um, but the the end of the novel is brilliant. I've I've cut this up a little bit and edited slightly. Um, but this to me, I, I want to get a little um, discussion on if we could. Uh, it, it's you know as Anakin is realizing that Padme's dead, and you know like Jory's talking mm-hmm. about finally being in the Vader suit after his defeat. Um, it says you killed her because finally, when you could have saved her, when you could have gone away with her, when you could have been thinking about her, you were thinking about yourself. It is in this blazing moment that you finally understand the trap of the dark side, the final cruelty of the Sith, because now yourself is all you will ever have. And you rage and scream and reach through the force to crush the shadow who has destroyed Mm. you. But you are so far less now than what you were. You are more than half machine. You are like a painter gone blind, a composer gone deaf. You can remember where the power was, but the power you can touch is only a memory. And so, with all your world-destroying fury, it is only droids around you that implode, and equipment, and the table on which you are strapped shatters. And in the end, you cannot touch the shadow. In the end, you do not even want to. In the end, the shadow is all you have left because the shadow understands you the shadow forgives you the shadow gathers you unto itself Mm. so (laughs) to me like that's the beauty of the the whole prequel arc is the tragedy of anakin skywalker i think that's where we we talk about this a lot and i think it's where people get sort of mm, don't appreciate the prequels in in the right way and, and a lot of the times is that they love badass vader and we all love Badass Vader to some degree. The Rogue One hallway scene. Yeah. And people cheer for that. So that's so sweet. But as we've talked about in the comic line, Vader is a pathetic yeah. slave. Yep. Um, who, who is just in his own spiral of grief constantly that he can't even be a proper Sith. Um, and to me, like that sh- this really highlights like the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker and, and you know, Revenge of the Sith is one of my very favorite Star Wars movies. I think this author just captured so many of those moments in, in these really profound ways. And it goes without, I like that the author like highlighted that for us, like his ultimate just failure. And, and, and it, but <laughs> what we've seen play out in the Vader comics and, 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 and all that we've read since this moment 
Palpatine had broke him. Like that that's essentially what it was. He has just broken him. And when Jory says like would he have had to have done anything else to to kind of shorthand him? And I really don't think that he he would have felt the need to do that. I think he had manipulated every aspect of this child to make him just that. My my whipping boy. My I can do whatever I please with him. Yeah, go ahead and look for your dead wife and try to find answers. It's not gonna matter. You're just going to find pain and you're going to come running back to me. He's just completely been broken. And the the author could not have summed that up better. And it can just go without saying if you continue to read on in canon what that relationship's like. He's just completely broken Anakin to where, like Jory said, I I don't think he would even need to do anything at this point. Jory? I just want to thank Luke for elegantly (laughs) stating what I was trying to say anyways in my rambling um, because I kind of got on two different tangents. So no, that's exactly what I was trying to get at Luke and uh, perfect. Um, I have a rebuttal to oh, Michael. Jesus. Go <laughs> figure. Always, I dissent. Um, I think to answer Jory's question, mm. I actually do think that Palpatine would have had to do something differently because I don't think that his, I don't know. <laughs> I know Jory said the word handicap. I don't know if saying like emotionally handicapping Darth Vader Mm -hmm. is like a politically correct thing to say. I don't know how else to say it, but I don't think that that worked because in the last scene you have Vader or Anakin, whoever you want to say he is at that point saying to himself, everything is going according to plan. I just have to get to Padme and then um, Palpatine or Sidious and I are going to have like a fatal, I don't remember the word that he says, falling out. Mm-hmm. And I think that even though he had emotionally beaten Anakin down at that point, Anakin's plan was still to get rid of Palpatine, to to learn how to save Padme, and then his plan was to kill Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we still know from what we've seen in the comics, and I know this isn't canon, but I know from what we've seen in the comics that are canon now, he still kind of goes against what Palpatine wants him to do. And he's going out on his own. He's trying to find out what happens to Padme, which we see that disconnect here. But I think that having this physical handicap is kind of keeping him from completely taking out Palpatine. And I think that if he didn't have that, I think Palpatine would have had to do something else to him to keep him kind of under control. If you well, will. let me say then, okay, yeah, exactly, because we both know that ultimately the conclusion is Vader's redemption and all of that. So I would say that I think the handicap, so to speak, of of, of you know the suit and all of the the injury, and I think that prolonged things. Probably, yeah. I think he eventually could have, but I think that's actually. I think it actually took that bringing him down to a level of he's literally been stripped down to like just what matters. You know, his fancy, he's still powerful, yes, but those days of old Anakin are gone. I feel like it actually did a service to Anakin more Mm -hmm. than anything because he had fallen to the dark side. We cannot say that he hasn't. It very clearly states he has. That's known. I think it just, I don't know. I, I think it could have actually went a different way had this not happened. Had not had he not been stripped down to this point where he depended on this suit and realized that I'm just, 
I'm just this man. I, you know, I'm, I am not the chosen one. It will be my son. It will be someone far greater than me. I, I don't know. I think it could have went either way. And maybe that's the beauty of not really knowing definitively. Yeah. I don't know. Luke, yes. I think, I think you came in right after this, when we started talking about like what scenes you would have wanted to see in the movie that we got in the book, but not in the movie. And some variation of that excerpt that you just read is what I said, I think would have yeah been really effective in the film well so did anakin have the realization then like 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 palpatine's telling him this did he realize it then because and that's what's so different about the comic that we're reading is that it doesn't feel like he's had that realization yet of like crap that was me i did that or is it just complete denial and he had he knew this information it's it yeah. is. It's very. Tra- it makes it much more tragic when it doesn't. You know, he doesn't continue on thinking that something else happened. I kind of liked yeah. that it ended that way because that passage is. Uh, if you were Anakin Skywalker today, this is what, yeah. like, how you would feel every day when you woke up. Yeah, uh, it's very. Damn. It's very sad. Very sad. I got. I got something to say since y'all were talking about that armor. I mean, you see all these books talking about the armor, hyping it up, making it, oh, it's fire resistant, this, all that. Let's go back to the video games. Let's go back to the books. How many times did that armor get busted up? Oh, yeah. How many times did, like, you look at it and you take a step back and you're like, he became dependent on that armor. And somewhere in that time when y'all were just alluding to it, he knew that Palpatine's electric would fry him. So he knew at that point, Empire Strikes Back, that he needed to get Luke powerful enough, hence the comics, because it was not about that, to get him powerful enough to take over Palpatine. Because I think ultimately, and this goes back to the video games too, Vader's a tank. Vader's a tank. So if Vader and Luke would have originally attacked Palpatine, Vader would have went in swinging because that is Anakin's <laughs> mindset. He would have fried and Luke would have dealt the killing blow. <laughs> but that's not how it worked out, is it? Rob because is the master of alternate endings. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I could think it up. He's but writing I'm a fan saying. fiction on the podcast right now. That's true. We could act it out. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what I'd be. But at the same time, I think it just I think it goes back to the armor and all of you talking about how it how Palpatine slash all Sith leaders always tried to keep the Padawan so weak. But in Palp's instance, he actually studied a little more to overthrow Plagueis. Vader did it a little differently. He went on looking for things. Because he knew he couldn't really take him straight up. Because once that happened, he was fried. And a couple of saber blows. Like, he wouldn't even have to pull out his lightsaber, Palpatine, that is, to really take out Vader. Because he could just fry his ass. But at the same time, I think that plays a little more into why and how he could have made move that, that killing blow. And it didn't work out. But he became reliant on the armor through the stories of the video games, these comics, and throughout a lot of the other things, because that's what really made him. It protected him from bolts. It protected him from this. It protected him from that. But it did get broke, just like real armor, you know? Yeah. 
there's also a lot going on in the Empire, too. Like, Vader has a lot more to think about than he did, like, you know, when he was Anakin or whatever. You got well, you yeah. have big-time players in the Empire that have their own ambitions, and, and the Emperor, they have the Emperor's attention. There's a lot more yeah. to consider at that time, too. Yeah. So it wasn't as easy just to say, I'm going to go slaughter this guy, yeah. regardless if he's got lightning or not. There's, there's other crap at play, too. Well, and to bring it back to what Luke was saying, you know, if you want to talk about the Palpatine-Anakin relationship, I mean, as you see in this novel the one thing that was on Anakin's mind this entire time was Padme, Padme, Padme. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the fascinating things that this novel did is it kind of built up how Anakin started to get that distrust mm-hmm. in Padme and it happened a lot more slowly in the book than it did in the movie because I feel like in the movie it's, you know, all of a sudden he's like suspicious of Obi-Wan and yeah. why are Obi-Wan and Padme on Mustafar? Yeah, I, I did not like that in the movie. It was too choppy and too. It's what made Anakin seem so. Yes, he was emotional, but like we're going from night to day in like a scene, and it's like, bro, like it just it wasn't executed well. And I think in a story so complex, you're dealing with love and and power and betrayal. It's like you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> like you gotta play that out. This should have been a four hour movie, Dugan. Oh no. Um- and I think honestly, like one way that you could have added more to the distrust would have been to add kind of like what's that? What is it like the petition of the two thousand? Yeah. I think the movie really did miss the, a lot of like the political aspects. Yes, of it. I like the movie as lot as well. Like I'm with Luke. Like it's definitely like on my top as well. Um, but that part was missing. Yeah, I yeah. think um, for sure. Um, and one thing in the book that I found interesting. Um, or at least not interesting, just is how Bale Organa like made a reference that Padme was a better senator than he than he was. Um, and then honestly, like kind of like in the movies, the movies don't they do do a disservice to Padme and they yeah. ma- they do not make her seem as if she was such a leader mm-hmm. and how she pulled mm-hmm. Bale back from like what objecting to after Palpatine because um, he wanted to do something and he she wouldn't allow him to make that motion. Um so yeah, no, that um that I think that that would have been another great thing to to definitely add. Um but yeah, no, I'm definitely with Luke and Holly too. I think that part of the book was probably the most powerful um like made me think it just makes you think a lot more and it it make I love Anakin and I love, it makes you feel bad for Anakin. Like yeah. and you just, it it makes me like think like even there's been a total of three movies in my life that have like given me nightmares. And it was <laughs> one, sorry, my girl, when the poor kid gets stung with all the bees, oh, that's awful. Yes. Um, but then freaking Voldemort and then like Anakin burning. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just is so hard to get out of your mind. Yeah. And, and then just to realize him stuck in that. Cause he's just a stump. Yeah. You know, like it's not even, it's his head yeah. and I mean, he's not even. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And just how horrible that must be every single day, realizing you yeah. killed Padme. Also, yeah. Yeah. what I mm. did not like that this novel did is when it described Palpatine's ship getting to Mustafar mm. and it like describes him as like tenderly lifting Anakin's body onto the cooler surface. I don't know. That just made my skin crawl. Like thinking about like Andy described him perfectly as a stump. And I just like, 
I don't, I just like envision that in my mind and then seeing the word tenderly in there. I yeah. was not. It just, the, the, I don't know the way you're describing it. It's just like joy. It was just like an added bonus, like what had happened to Anakin and he's so powerful. I know he'll still be useful. So we'll throw some limbs on him and he's still going to do my bidding, but like, it's just, man, another, and that's, that is a physical reminder. There's no, and that's why it's so surprising in the Vader comic that we're reading right now. He's like, you don't, you do you not remember Mustafar and what happened? Like you have physical reminders every day of what happened. And, and it's, that's why it's, I'm really curious to see how that story is going to be ending. Cause it seems pretty obvious that you did yep. it, my man. And then like <laughs> you're in a body of armor now because of everything that happened. And so uh, can we talk about the, what was it? Was it Yoda or, or Qui-Gon explaining that love was an important part of like, what the Jedi Order should have been. What was that, Holly? You were explaining that to me. Am was I making I? that up? Was maybe I? I was ex- maybe I was imagining that. You might have been. That might have been a dream. Um, I was going to circle back to something that Nettie and Dugan both brought okay. up, which was about Padme, because yeah. this is something that really bothers me yeah. a lot, is um, – this portrayal of women who are supposed to be leaders and strong female characters in these novels, but then they're like overrun by their love for these men that they just die for. And I get, I get it's supposed to push the story forward, but can't we do that without killing off all these women who are like awesome role models for other women? And also Padme is like a, badass leader. She's a badass senator. Mm. She is a badass politician. She is a badass diplomat. She did not deserve what happened to her. Yeah. And for her to like in this novel, there was one line in the novel where they were like, this is Padme. She's a senator and she's an awesome politician. And they're like listing all the things that she is. And they're like, but more than that, she's Anakin Skywalker's wife. And I was like, "Mm mm-mm. And then they're like, and even more than that, she is the mother of his child. Yeah. And I was like, we've just like reduced one of the most badass females in the Star Wars galaxy, in my opinion, to just being the mother of some man's child. Holly is an unfortunate reality in our everyday life. So it's, it's, it is unfortunate and, and it, 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 it's something that needs to be corrected. Yeah, Rob. I gotta say, I'm happy Paige isn't here because if she was here and she just heard you say that, she would be. <laughs> She'd be all in on that because you just descri- described it perfectly about the way Star Wars kills female characters. Yeah, and I think That's- even the books that they're writing now about Padme are awesome, but it shows here, like in this book, that there was a lot of good stuff there to begin with, and then we're picking up off of that. But it is an unfortunate way that she had to pass how would you she would have had to have passed at some point i mean but, it serves the star wars story ooh. as it was written in the 70s but yeah. it could have been done in a better better way i completely I'm just, agree on. i'm just okay. saying that she had so much love for what she thought was this one child that she was going to have mm-hmm. and then she dies from a broken heart she literally has this oh. child she dies from a broken It's a heart. timing thing, Holly. She's got to have the kids, but, like, you can't have, you know, you can't have her have the kids, and then Anakin kills her, then he knows they're the kids. Like, I, it's it's a timing thing. It's not great. It's not great. It's the weakest part of the prequels. Jory? 
No, actually, I was going to kind of <clears throat> echo what you're just saying, Mike. It's just, it's such a, it seems like she has to die in a way like that because if, and, and I 100% agree with you, Holly. Like, I 100% agree with you. It just sucks that, that she has to die in a way like that because of, you know, do you have Anakin kill her prior to the children being born? And then they're like almost cutting out, you know, children. I would have preferred that. But you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, like how do you get to the point of like Anakin doesn't know about the children, um, but she still has the children. And then she obviously has to pass away at some point. You know, and, it, and it's almost like it's really like story convenience as to why she dies the way she does, um, because, you know, you could have had Anakin kill her, but in the same, then you're you're coming to a point of like, you know, they're essentially cutting out children out of her body to then, you know, take out into the world and. And it's just it's it's kind of ugly either way, whichever way you want to go with it. Um, and but no, I 100 percent agree with you, Holly, like the fact of her just dying as she's a badass woman and then just dying of a broken heart. It sucks. Um, but how else do you do it without, you know, everything else in the story kind of lining up? Maybe somebody else has something else that kind of looks like Luke might have have a have a solution to it. Is it midichlorians, well, Luke? Just listening to everybody talk, I, I had this like brilliant idea for a story they could have done if it was this Disney era, what I think they would have done with Padme. George wrote himself into a corner in the early 70s when he decided both of Luke's parents were dead. And then he retconned it so, no, his dad isn't dead in the second movie. <laughs> and then he goes... And, and introduces the mother character in the prequels. And I think I'd agree that it is a failure. Um, the, the story of how she dies isn't, um, isn't good enough. It's just not, it's not good enough. Um, I, and I'm thinking if they would have done it in the modern era, she would have lived, snuck away with the kids. And then we would have got like a Disney plus series in which she makes a sacrifice along the way to save them. And that kills her. Yeah. Um, and then it's, I'm not a woman, but I would think more palatable as a woman to see a story about her making a sacrifice to save her children rather than the sort of broken heart narrative. Uh, so that, that to me, I'm just my wheel spin in here and everyone kind of talk about this stuff, um, you know, in a different era could have turned out differently, but George, I think was like, after the prequels, I'm done. This is it. This is Star Wars, so I just have to tie this bow up in two hours, and like it, that part of it fell short. Yeah, I, I mean, there were so many ways that he could have done it differently. You can literally just have her die from complications in childbirth. That was literally what Anakin saw in his dream and they didn't even do that they were like "Mm, you know what she talks about how much she loves these kids and she's a very powerful character but she's got a collapsed trachea like she can't have a kid when you're just choked it could have been that simple not simple but if she had to die in that moment then it could have literally Mm -hmm. just been from they even had a conversation earlier on in the novel when she was like 
we're on Coruscant. We're not on like Tatooine where there's not mm-hmm. a lot of healthcare. Yeah. And I just feel like I, this is just my opinion. This is the last thing I'll say about it tonight. As a woman who loves Star Wars, I'm very sick of seeing women die like this in Star Wars. It doesn't make me feel very hopeful. (laughs) And Star Wars is supposed to be a story of hope. And I kind of feel like it's just a story of hope for men and for women. It's just like, ah, sucks to be you. It's almost as if George thought that it's going to be somewhat, you know, just another tragedy of Anakin that you rejected this person and she died of a broken heart. And that makes it even more traumatic and but i'm just going to show you vader you know rising on this machine and everyone's just going to be so blown away by that scene that they'll kind of let that as a pass of just oh she died of a broken heart but that's vader that's cool it's just it felt you know it felt cheap and it definitely did and i it's it's one of those things that it's unfortunate and i get that we're trying to correct those things now in star wars it's hard to look past that but it's it's awesome that you're getting a lot more credit here for padman showing that she had a lot of genius strategy going on and, and preserving what she believed in even after her death. And it's playing out that way. And I think that's, it's almost like her legacy is living on. And I think that's really cool and, and, and hopefully making it right. But 2005 wasn't that different of a time. You know what I'm saying? We could have made things a little more right. It just like Luke said, I think he's like, I'm think about the shit that George Lucas had heard over the past five, six years about his prequels, right? He said, I just, can we just wrap this thing up and this is fine. Let's get it out. And then it'll make, you know, billions of dollars, whatever. It just felt like it wasn't that important to him, even though he made an entire trilogy about Padme, as much as it's Anakin's story, it's their love story. And for it to end like that, it definitely kind of shows you where George's headspace was. Like, this is good enough. And, and maybe that is to him. Maybe it was very romantic and tragic, and it. But he's also not a woman, so he he is you know probably just a simple minded man, which <laughs> most of us are. Um, and simple is not a great thing. So, but uh, yeah, feels awkward to transition out of that. Holly, is there Sorry, any, put, is there something I, else? I, I, that, I a whole panel full up. of men, and I feel terrible. But no, we can transition out of that. Look, seriously. The women are literally sacrificed all the time. We can go back. We, we can talk about this, how, and this is a little EU here, how Leia and Luke were twins and how Jaina and Jason were twins and how at one point Jaina was and did take out Darth Kytus. So that's the one time maybe that a, a female, I mean, there's other times, but a female character takes over. But we all know that Jaina and Phil lead to Cade, like I said, who is literally the most powerful Jedi yeah. and Sith of all damn time, as we have said multiple times. And he actually takes a Sith as his kind of apprentice and lover, and he kills her. Why? And it all starts from the whole bloodline going on and there's so much hurt and there's so much things going on. But if there's really just, you guys just want to just to say it, it's, it's what we said on many casual councils. What I just said that the women always further the males, but, and there's a lot of people that actually think that Jason solo, I've even seen discussions. What if Jaina solo would have been the one that turned bad? Okay. The sword of the Jedi. 
Yeah. But it ultimately leads to Cade, and it leads to Cade still slapping down the women. Yeah, the EU is a little more open-minded. I mean, Luke was, you know, into a machine at one point. So it was a weird time. A little more open-minded there in the <laughs> EU. Uh, some interesting things going I on. Know. But I keep I kept cutting Jory off. Jory. No, you're good. Um, I just, no, I agree. Like, women in, in Star Wars really do just kind of get put on the back burner. And even in New Canon, um, with Leia, like pretty much like giving up her own Jedi path because she knew that it would, um, you know, lead to the destruction of her son. Mm -hmm. You know, once her, her actual, um, her training was complete, it would lead to the destruction of her son. You know, it's almost like a way of like kind of taking back from what the women can do in star Wars. And, uh, you know, and it, it, it really just it sucks, you know. It sucks for the women. Um, and I had a rebuttal to your Padme, um, and and maybe with George Lucas and and how he was writing. But honestly, at this point, I kind of forgot what <laughs> with everything that's been said. So um, no, I, I I had a I had a good rebuttal, and and maybe it was just you know at the time you know just convenience for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I lost it at this point. So, yeah, I will say this. I do want to do another episode of just like, obviously not in book club. Um, and we could transition back into talking about the revenge of the Sith, but for anyone listening, who's interested, I do want to do an episode where we talk about kind of the treatment of women in star Wars, mm -hmm. um, and kind of what that means and kind of, I don't know, maybe get more of the female perspective. I feel like there are a lot of male Star Wars fans, and I think that the majority of our listeners are male, but I know there's also a lot of really awesome women who run mm -hmm. a lot of Star Wars podcasts that kind of give a different perspective, and I feel like there's not as much respect for a lot of them as there are for some of the other podcasts, mm -hmm. and I feel like typically, I mean, we get characters like Rey who, you know, Disney said, let's make this female character who doesn't have to make those kinds of sacrifices to, yeah. like further her story and she gets a lot of like oh she's just a mary sue and she's so boring and hey but cara dune grunts a couple times and that's boy, right best female character oh in star wars <laughs> yeah so it's it's undeniable that it is a problem in star wars and the simple reaction of many fanboys and being upset by the discussion and also the female character leads it speaks for itself. It is undeniable. It is a problem. It needs to be addressed. And it's a, it's, it's a, it is yes. a big problem. Yes. I will say <laughs> definitely not talking about the revenge of the Sith novel now, but I was wearing a star Wars Jeez. shirt at the mall one time. And some guy literally asked me if my boyfriend got me into star Wars. Yeah. And you were like, well, funny story. Yeah. But I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So it's real, but it is. It is. It's unfortunate. <laughs> what do you do? Anything else about Revenge of the Sith? I, I hate transitioning like that, but is there anything else that we missed, Holly? Any big notes? Any? Yeah, Jory? Um, I just thought the one last cool point, and this is kind of going just randomly off topic, but uh, um, Mace's Shatterpoint. Yeah. Um, we kind of get a little bit of backstory into that, um, and it's not as well as... Um, I don't remember what novel that that's really spoken about, um, 
but we get a little backstory into his shatter point and how it's used um, in the main series and like how he sees the fault lines. And, and I thought that was really cool. You know, he sees different fault lines and things and, um, and how Anakin's, you know, always in his eye. Uh, and he didn't quite understand why Anakin was always in his perspective of his shatter point. And then he really gets it at the end. Like he is the ultimate shatter point. And this is like right before his, his alt, you know, his turn to Darth Vader. And, and I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, and then I really thought that Mace's portrayal in this kind of gives, uh, shed some light as to why he was the way he was. Um, you know, he, he, he felt just so much pressure, um, like that. And, and I feel like it really was in the, in the Jedi council, like he was Yoda's number two. And so he almost tried to take some of that pressure from Yoda onto himself. And, and I think that's why he was always such a dick. Like, <laughs> you know, like in, in, he just, like, he felt just like, I need to be there for this council because of my gifts and what I am able to see. And it, it just, I thought it gave a pretty cool brief uh, background into, you know, what his gifts were and, and how, it affected a lot of the uh, the decisions that the council made, right or wrong. You know, obviously, I think all, all of us agree that that the council didn't always do um, what was right for the time. But you know, he was depending on this power that he obviously he was a master of, but you know, he maybe didn't quite understand what the force wanted him to see mm -hmm. in these certain moments. And, uh, you know, it's just pressure that I don't think any of us can really relate to. Um, but it's just something that it was pretty cool to see the background of it. Wow. I don't enjoy that's a leap. I mean, I think I myself have probably experienced some of those pressures, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. But you're absolutely right. Especially you got the shroud of the dark side clouding everything, right? Even Yoda doesn't understand what's going on. But from my understanding, what you're saying, Mace is he's getting some signal from the force. He just can't quite, like you said, make out what it is necessarily trying to relate to him. But it is breaking through. And it just it's just that ultimate manipulation from Palpatine. That's he's just playing everybody. But something's it, that, it's that crack. It's that it's that uh, it's that that fracture that's trying to make yeah. its way through. And he just can't identify it. I think that that's valid. I think that um, also it was interesting to get his perspective when Anakin, you know, he's going to arrest Palpatine and really execute him. And Anakin's like, don't like I need him alive. I need him alive to save Padme. And then when Palpatine is, you know, using the force lightning against Mace Windu in the back of his mind, he's like Padme. Why Padme? And then that's where they're like Mace realizes that he was so focused on Palpatine's shatter point that he missed what Anakin's would have been, which was that attachment. Yeah. But it's also a very sad moment. it really is. And then also, interestingly enough, um, I liked in this novel where they talked about Mace had his flaws. He also had an attachment issue. It just wasn't to an actual like being it was his love for the republic mm -hmm. at least it wasn't a machine like luke skywalker love luke that was weird though uh, and it, he also said he fell forever 
that was just such a sad freaking ending yeah. to him. And but then even Anakin kneels down in the rain. He's like, "What have I done?" It's like just so much regret. And then Mace was falling forever, and it's almost like he's gonna now, just like, just like Yoda will always now understand his own failures and where he went wrong, and 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 now Mace falling forever, it feels, is now gonna live in regret. It's the saddest thing. It's the saddest thing. Did you actually read it, Mike? It sounds like you read it. I had a, my own audio book here that I didn't have to pay for, <laughs> so it was a great read. Holly picked out the high points for me, which I really appreciate because it, it would take me a while to get through a four hundred page book. Yeah. To be honest, I think that I realized that Luke and I could do the dramatic readings on the podcast, and I can just sit there. That's yeah. fantastic. Actually, I think Lucasfilm would probably come after us if you just did their dramatic readings eh. on the podcast. I listened to a thirteen hour podcast. I'm down. <laughs> See. See, we have one listener. Right, we're down. We're down. It's fine, guys. So, I mean, it's awesome. Rob, Rob would listen. Rob would listen. Um, I would listen. I would drive for like two weeks listening to y'all talk. I swear. He would go from Erie to Buffalo about 30 Let's times. Let's go. Let's go. I was already there today. I had another burger. <laughs> um, so, something I did. This is like the last point. I didn't make a note of it, but in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. I was like reading through the part in the novel where I think that Obi-Wan and Yoda are trying to like sneak out or sneak in Mm -hmm. and they get found out by that squad, the squad of clones Mm -hmm. or I think they're clones when they're trying to sneak out. But Yoda is like disguised as a they think he's a baby. And when I was reading. When I was reading that, I like misread it and I thought they were talking about an actual baby that was Yoda, but not actual Yoda, like yeah. the child. And I like stopped reading. I was like, Michael, yeah, why is nobody talking about this? This yeah. book has been out since 2005. And then I realized that it actually was Yoda because they're like, I think he's a Jedi. And they're like, what makes you think that? And then Yoda's like, whatever he says, the lightsaber gave it away. Yeah, well, you know, John, John Favreau and Filoni were probably reading this too, and they're like, you know what, we could go with that. Let's have we a could child. make an entire show dedicated to a baby Yoda. Let's do it. Okay, great. Done. I like, There's so much in this book <laughs> that they've taken and ran with. I know. I like read that, and I was like, why is nobody talking about this? You did. You had a moment. We had just, to bring you back down. Just me. Just a mistaken identity. Boy, this was, I think, the longest book club. Rightfully so. Long book, long yeah. discussion. A lot more folks here than I thought we were going to have. Jory, yeah, one last thing? No, just one last thing. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to Brent. Just still holding it down on the uh, Facebook group. <laughs> you know, while we're while we're podcasting, he can't be a can't be around for it because he didn't read the book, but he's still just posting <laughs> memes in there right. and just killing it in the book club. So shout out to Brent for and 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 his stuff he's doing right now with with the sausage quotes. It's yeah. just it's freaking amazing. So if anybody hasn't seen that, go to the book club or go to not the book club. Sorry. Uh go to the Facebook group and uh Brent's killing it in there. 
Yeah. His editing skills are on the rise. Uh, and I think at one point we mentioned that, you know, dark side users are all arrogant. And by no means were we referring to Brent or Wade or any of those that associate with the dark side. Uh, definitely not arrogant individuals there. I know that they just enjoy the cool robes and the red sabers, but they're all actually the nicest people that you'll ever meet. I do not think that they're conspiring to take over the Galaxy Holly. Though there's a lot of story that remains to be told about all those guys, so we'll see how that pans out. We've really only known them, you know, a little over a year, so we'll see a lot of stories that'll be told about those guys. Um, I mean, I know I just tooted his horn, but no, Brent is definitely trying to take over the. Oh, galaxy. he would stab you, you know, Brent, and cut no, you in without half. Without a doubt. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw a Trivia Trials the first one, but uh, he's. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> there's no he mercy. With a sausage? He, yes, phrasing. Phrasing. Um, oh yeah, he's gonna bring the pain with a sausage. <laughs> Crossover. Phrasing. The FCC phrasing. may not allow that on the airways. May have to edit that out and post Holly. But uh, a nice, solid, long book club uh, with a lot of great panelists. Holly, uh, one of, is it one of the best reads so far in the book club. Um. I don't know about that, okay. but it was definitely um, a nice way to supplement the movie. And so novelizations are still on the table. Yes, I think okay. um, we all agree that novelizations are still on the table. I think that they are fun to read. And also next time I'll be sure to watch the movie after I read the novel. And yes. That in mind. Absolutely, Holly. 15 years, you can forget a lot after seeing a <laughs> film. So, uh, guys, I hope you appreciate, appreciated this along a podcast. Uh, I, I do bear with our, our deep discussion and our sweaty details, but a lot of book to digest, a lot of opinions to digest. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we are here every Monday uh, in Flying Casual talking about Star Wars, nothing else. So, uh, if you enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening on all podcast platforms. Check it out on YouTube. Check out all these handsome fellows here uh and the beautiful holly always on the youtube so we do post there every monday as well so wherever you can look wherever you can listen uh please do so and like uh jory gave a plug for the the group it's always a lot of fun there uh if you don't understand when we're talking about sausage quotes just go to the group there's a very long thread all about it (laughs) um and a nice dedication piece dedication pieces that brent is working on for all of our sausage quotes so check that out join the group join the discussion you can also check us out on patreon uh with these fine fellas here and and discuss every month with us books uh movies all star wars uh stories uh however you want but uh, we do enjoy you being here we hope you enjoyed it and uh, as always may the force be with you all